Deadass Podcast. Subpar, mediocre at best. Podcast, just trying to figure out this whole parenting and adulting thing. One drink and one conversation at a time. Hey, hey, and welcome to the Deadass Podcast, the completely unscripted, unconventional podcast just trying to figure out this whole parenting and adulting thing. Me, my name is Matt. I'm just a dude that created a podcast to have a cool nickname like a dad ass. And next to me is a dude who has a dad and a sweet ass, Sean, a.k.a. Dude, the resident family counselor. But, sir, instead of asking you what I usually do, mm-hmm. we are well into November, into November. What have you done thus far to help you be a happier, healthier man? Um, I will answer that question, um, but first we have to address something. And that is that you literally went clean shaven. <laughs> I did. I was trimming the beard and took a little bit too much off and was like, well, now we're going to just have to do it because I'm no longer allowed to grow a mustache. Yeah, no. And you know what? That is that is for everyone's interest. So I did, though, on, on Halloween, I had to teach a spin class. I teach spin in the morning. Oh, oh wait, wait. Week. Can I guess who it was? Yeah. Who your character was? Because oh. I saw the photo. Did you? Yeah. Were you, were you trying to be, um, I don't remember his name, but Ben Stiller from Dodgeball? No and yes. Okay. I wasn't trying to be dead on, but I was like, I'm going to try and match that. And so I shaved into a Fu Manchu. I'm sorry, then, a Fu Machu. Oh, I'm sorry, a Fu Machu. And then to take it a step further, I was ready to go. I was dressed to go to work with it so I could wear my dad ass robe and go trick or treating with the Fu Machu. And then my wife said, you probably don't want to do that. Cause one, you look dumb. And two, <laughs> you, you're on a, you're on a panel at Otterbein university today. And I was like, yeah, I wish you would have. So I just shaved it real quick and then realized while I was on the panel, cause it was virtual that I could still, you could still see the scruff. And I was like, Oh man, this is just, this is terrible. I went as Bob Ross. You did, and you 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 nailed it. That's I was awesome. pretty pumped about it, yeah. Um, but, so it was a good time. And now here we are in, in November. Okay, so going back to men's, your question. Men's health, what, what have you done? Things I have done to contribute to my um, health. Um, from So I'm going to answer this with like a two, like in two ways. But or, well, I'm going to answer it with one question that affected me both physically and mentally. Okay. Um, it's been a mostly positive experience. Um, and you'll, you'll understand why I say mostly when I say what it is. Um, so we are in the process of adopting a dog Mm -hmm. and, um, it's been really, really nice, um, to have a dog to, you know, physically like we, you know, going out and going on walks more and and those sorts of things, but it's also been nice to like have a companion, um, and so um, I say mostly because there's been some, there's been a few bumps, bumps in the road um, in that process. But a few um, dogs in the road. Yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, I think that was something that like it was like a small but kind of I mean not that small not in my world because I don't have kids so like my kids but um, it doesn't seem like a monumental thing and I think you know I'm interested we have two very intelligent, talented gentlemen sitting in front of us. And I'll be curious to hear their sort of take. But I feel like a lot of times when we're talking about health, um, everyone, like, I don't know, you think about the monumental things. But, like, you really can do, like, really, like, pretty simplistic things that can have a pretty, you know, large impact. I I wrote a blog for the Seabus Dads blog that will be dropping soon. And I was trying to be edgy on the title. But I think for men's health, it takes more than balls and heart. Because I think men only think about the ticker and testicular cancer. Yep. But I think there's a lot more for us to focus on. And, and on this episode, um, we are going to talk about mental health. Yeah. And I think that's often forgotten. But not to you guys, because I realize I'm the only one here that is just... I studied PR. I'll just stop there. <laughs> I, I don't have any letters by my name. I just looked at both of you and I was just like, I don't know what you do because you do very important work. I don't know what you do. I just call you doctor. Yeah. So, and that's with, still not true. 
Um. But we're, we're excited because we have two guests, but we also have Parker back for like the 18th time. Yeah. So here's so what, he's going to be the new Sean. Yeah. I'm all right with it. Yeah. Yeah. Because Part Sean was on like seven. Club. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to have to get you a pin or something. Oh. Like Mile High, but like not the Mile High Club, but like he's oh. in the speakeasy. So know. we have to have something that's kind of. Yeah. We'll have to work on it. We'll, we'll, we'll workshop that idea. Yeah. Maybe, you know what, Parker, you, we will name that folding chair. Yes. After you. Like that is, that is the, the Parker Houston folding chair. Fantastic. I'll talk to my brother. Uh, you know, we can get it. We, I don't know if we can actually get it like fully engraved. That's probably too expensive, but like. Maybe we, we could just we, we, we put a sticker on it. We could we could we will, is fine. Yeah. We'll put a sticker and on the back side, not on the bottom, just because just you get the respect of being on the back support because you're supporting others. Oh instead wow. of being sat that was, on. That was beautiful. Look at that. I'm trying. Yeah. yeah. Although sometimes it does kind of feel like you're a doormat for some people. <laughs> it can. Yeah. For sure. So yeah, we have we have Dr. Parker Houston and so you know full transparency we were like who could we talk to well who would be willing to talk to us was really the, where all of these conversations start um and we we're like oh parker and then parker was like i know this really cool guy and so rather than me since you've done this like five twenty-five times i don't know rather than me introducing i want you to introduce who you brought with you absolutely so with me i have the great and talented Dr. Rob Dempster. And he is a pediatric psychologist at Nationwide Children's Hospital. And I'll let him say a little more about himself here in a few minutes. But Rob is actually the whole reason why I live back here in Columbus. And you guys may not know that. Oh, because, I did not know this. Um, and it involves bourbon. The story involves bourbon, I'm which here. is even better. This is so perfect. Full we circle. Were, we were at a conference together. And he and I used to meet up at this conference every year. And one night we decided, hey, let's go out for some barbecue and bourbon. And mm. so we went out to dinner, had a few drinks, and I spilled the beans that I would love to someday move back to Columbus and work at Nationwide Children's Hospital. And about two weeks later, I got an email from the director of the department that Rob was working in, although now he is the director of his department. But um, back then, I got an email saying, hey, I heard you want to work here. Why don't you come in for an interview because we would maybe like to hire you and that's literally the whole reason why i'm here in columbus no so, kidding cheers really? cheers to dr rob and yeah he and i he and i were basically partners in crime for the whole time that i worked at nch up until um i worked it on our sleeves for that period of time when i first met you guys um but yeah he and i were really working hand in hand developing a program that rob still is the the program director of so um, I have a lot to be thankful for for this guy. Yeah. Well, we're thankful for you, for you, Rob. Those sliding doors moments, you know, like if we hadn't gone out to dinner and bourbon that one night, who knows, you know, right. it's wild. Well, that's awesome. That's wild. Do you remember what bourbon or was it too much bourbon? I mean, it was multiple bourbons and a little bit of barbecue. We'll just put it okay. that way. <laughs> I, I was easing my way in. So it was just old fashions back then. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 And then... Today, while we're recording, we don't have an old fashioned, but we have what? What kind of what kind of cocktail did you put together for us? Well, you know, it actually because it, it's it, kind of like one. It's it drink like some, one. It bears a lot of similarity to a, to an old fashioned, um, but um, but it's not. So what we've got is um, bourbon. I used um, Larceny, but you could you could put any bourbon you wanted in there. I think Larceny is a really nice. Um, one that you can both, you know, drink straight if you want or neat, um, but it goes really nicely in a cocktail. It's a little softer too. It's not anything too harsh. Um, and then, um, we went through like a trip through the, uh, the old liquor cabinet to see what was, was down there. And so there's, uh, there is a ounce and a half of, um, bourbon. And then there is a half ounce of um, orange curacao, which um, is probably why it drinks a little bit like a old fashioned, because there's you know that orange flavor to it. And then there is a half ounce of creme de cacao, and then a um, quarter ounce of coffee liqueur, and then uh, 
her, you know, I batched this, so I just made all of them together, but it was about uh, two dashes of Peychaud's um, aged, barrel-aged bitters. And then um, we're all actually, some of, well, actually, I think we split it in half. Um, I had pecan. I was, yeah, you had pecan. pecan. So then, then mm-hmm. you know, I used the smoker, and we actually smoked it. Um, and because I'm me, I pulled out, like, all the chips, and you got to choose your your wood. This is an interesting cocktail. So what what would you name it? No, I don't know. It is it's yet to be determined. So Okay. Um yeah. It'll come to us. Now, here here's what we're going to do, right? So we always typically start with a cocktail and then we go into the dad joke. But Rob, we're going to start with you because this is your first time on the podcast. So we're going to give you the honors. Okay. So uh what's red and smells like blue paint? <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, I don't know. Red paint? <laughs> I like that one. That's great. That's great. I love that. Those are my favorite when it's like an easy. Yeah, I love it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Now, you came with six, or was that the, just the joke? No, no, no. That was the statistics That's he right. came prepped That's with. Right. That's that was right. That's right. No, mine is um, why did the cookie go see the doctor? He felt crummy. That's right. <laughs> Felt crummy. Every time. I'm going to ruin it every time. I feel so good about myself right now. I guess the first question to open this conversation is, why do you come back? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's mostly the cocktails. Yeah. <laughs> there, there was one. I haven't been able to ruin one in a while, so I am pumped about that. You're welcome. That. Yeah, thank you. You know what, though? I feel like I should have heard that one before, but I haven't. Really? I haven't. There no. was I'm trying to it'll There it'll, there was one about um I had this on my tearaway dad joke calendar and it was something about um my dad always asks me um what happens after October's done and he just responds October. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I I was I was at a store recently and uh and they had a book of it was just a book of insults. And they were like categorized, like, what way do you want to insult someone? And I just opened it, and it just happened to be age was the insult. <laughs> and the one that just stuck out that I can remember was, "You're so old, you fart dust." <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I was like, I, I like this. It's not so much a dad joke. It's like a dad insult. I don't know. Yep. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't have a joke, but I just. I, I like it. Be. I like it. I mean, I don't think somebody's literally farting dust, so it I counts as a joke, yeah. you know? <laughs> I don't know, though. I've seen some weird stuff in my life. <laughs> now, I want to ask uh, both of you. During this month, I, I, I'm a firm believer that we grow mustaches or beards because we professionally can in most settings in November and that's for outreach. Most people do it for a good cause. Others just do it for, you know, HR said I can grow facial hair. But I don't think men actually open up and talk to other men necessarily about where they're at. Like for me, I, I remember telling Heather um, midway through October, I go, uh, I'm a year plus into a new job. And it's just like endless of the things that I can be and should be doing, I think. Then I feel like I'm not fully present at home, not fully present as a dad. But outside of just us having these conversations or maybe with some people when they're like, oh, you have a podcast, that's cool. And then they start opening up. Men don't necessarily just start sharing where they're at. Is is that far off? I just want to kind of start with that note um, as we start this conversation off today. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's absolutely how we're kind of socialized and we're supposed to be able to tough through things and just sort of suck it up. And it's a very, very different kind of thing. And so, um, you know, as a psychologist, you know, one of the things that we see is it's just there's similar rates of mental health challenges or even if it's not some disorder, just right life struggles, things like that. But men are far, far less likely to seek out treatment or, or like you said, even talk to a friend or family member or anybody else. Yeah. I used to, I mean, you guys all probably know if you've listened to any episodes I've been on before, but I used to work in trying to dispel mental health stigma for kids. And, you know, that's been my focus. I still work with kids primarily. However, 
I think there is certainly stigma when it comes to men's mental health as Mm -hmm. well. And while in general, the stigma around mental health has come way down as a society, I think there are still different expectations for different parts of the population. You know, it, it becomes more acceptable for certain portions of the population to talk about mental health, see a therapist, be on medication for mental health concerns, bring that up with a pediatrician or with friends around, you know, drinks or while watching football or while hanging out on a on a weekend. Um, And men still lag behind women for whatever reason in that regard. So, um, you know, there's we'll get into some of the risks of that and some of the reasons why we're talking about it on the podcast today. But Um, You know, there's no reason why any portion of the population shouldn't or can't or, you know, uh, there's no reason not to bring it up or have it be a topic of conversation because guarantee if you're in a group of five people, you're not the only one who might be having some sort of mental health struggle at any given time. Yeah, you know, and I think that that's actually one of the things that can be helpful about going to therapy or even even if you're not going to therapy going to a support group or you know those sorts of things is like this all of a sudden you can have this understanding or this realization that like wow i'm not the only one and and i think what's interesting is that like on a cognitive level people know that right but Mm -hmm. like there is a thing that sort of prevents you from like you know you understand but there is this this thing for a lot of people that this invisible barrier where you're like I know statistically like everyone's sitting in this room I'm not the only one but I'm not going to be the one Mm -hmm. that says you know I'm not going to if someone else opens the door right it's like a group of people all just sitting around looking at each other like you know if somebody else brought this up I would talk about this and everybody like you know I don't want to say wants to talk about it but like you know everyone's waiting to be for that door to sort of yeah. open right and I think the biggest scariest thing is is opening that up and and having that that initial conversation and that's the big sort of struggle is is that cuz you know I think you know you had said by and large we've made progress in sort of with some of those stigmas and those sorts of things, but there's still this, like you said, that population where it's still not talked about and those sorts of things. And it's that invisible barrier, you know, and Mm -hmm. for everyone, I think there's, you know, there's, there's commonalities, but I think everyone comes at it for, with everyone's got their own reason, their own barrier. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But it all ends up resulting in the same in that everyone's like, sitting around you know watching football and i was and i was just that's i was ready to jump in because i was like when when i'm with friends it's kind of like let's go through the list of everything that i've achieved or done recently mm-hmm. i mean i'm i'm doing okay you know like we get to that like we don't skim the surface we don't even dip the toe in there but it's like football or sports or something here's everything i'm achieving right now i am hurting a little bit but did you see that play yeah. We kind of forget that. Whereas, like when we were at home, Dad Con, we're in a room of fifty men, just opening up. That was like and just sharing. That was a like, and I don't mean in a bad way. It was a a wonderfully disorienting experience. I, I wish I could replicate mm-hmm. that because I don't know any other time I've been around men. Maybe this will be the first time since since then to just openly discuss things that there's no curtain of masculinity. Or, or anything. Everything's just wide open and, and out there to talk. Open eyes, open hearts, and open minds. Yeah. One of the things you were talking about, kind of that veil there, like I think there's this, people feel like everybody else has it figured out. So mm-hmm. like you don't want to be the first one to talk about anything or you don't right. want to be the first one to talk about any of those struggles because, as, and with social media, everybody posts their most perfect selves, For right? Sure. So if you're on there, you're just seeing the good stuff. And so it's, it's, hard to be that first one or to have those situations know when if I'm in a room with a hundred people, that might not be the time that I'm letting it out. But how do I make sure I'm actually finding those times or finding my people, um, to, to be able to do that with? Yeah. Are you going to say something? Well, I mean, even people who do this for a living have a hard time. Oh, I'm, I'm terrible. I'm, at I'm it. notorious. Like I'm, I'm notorious. At it. You know, I I wait until the last possible minute to find someone to talk to about what's troubling me personally, whether it's a personal thing or a professional thing or, you know, anything like that. And 
you know, I know better, as you said, it's cognitively, I sit there thinking, boy, I should probably talk to somebody, you know, I'm really stressed right now. I'm not dealing with this well, or I'm not performing as well in some role in life. And so, you know, you, some people have a person, some people don't even have a person that they would want to talk to. I don't have that excuse. I've got plenty of people, you know, this dude sitting to my right is he's been my person for six years now. And so, you know, we've talked through a lot of difficulties that each of us have had in our personal lives. And so, you know, I kind of brought along my support person to this episode today yeah. as an example of like, you know, I found someone who I felt was trustworthy and could listen. And so when, when we would have really tough days at work, it was, I need a minute after work or I need a minute in the middle of the day, or I need a phone call this weekend or whatever it is. So well, and it, it's hard. Yeah, it's hard it is do. really hard. And what's interesting, though, is and I want to point this out. He's not your person because he's a psychologist. Correct. <laughs> yes, I am not his psychologist. Correct. <laughs> right. No, but but I mean, I say that like seriously, because like for some for like for some people, you like working with a mental health professional, like is the appropriate is the right thing and all that sort of stuff. But then there is also like a, a whole subset of people that like. You just need to find like you talk to him because he's your friend, right? Right, like, and, and and like I think that's a really important sort of thing that like not for some people that is the right move, and and even if you are seeing a, a mental health professional, one of the things that like I advocate, like I ask, like what's your support system? What like those sorts of things, and so like tapping into that network um, of people, and and often that can be like a really good first step into it and you know i i trust you matt like i trust you completely and i trust that if you ever looked at me and said like man i think you need to go like that you would look at me and say like i think you need to go to talk talk to somebody right um and so i think we like almost in some ways can make up a barrier or make like we can put up our own sort of reason as to why or whatever um like, oh, it's not that bad or those sorts of things. But I think talking to even just starting with talking to a friend can help you gain perspective. And maybe that person will say, I think you should talk to somebody. Or maybe you'll go, you know what? Like, as I'm starting to talk about this, you might have like a moment of like kind of just self-realization that like this is kind of a bigger thing. But the most important thing is that you have to start talking someplace, whether that yeah. is talking to a friend, talking to a, a professional, like sitting silent isn't a healthy option. Well, and I think, you know, the research is showing this was happening pre-COVID and now post-COVID loneliness is on the rise, right? Yeah. So mental health challenges are on the rise for everybody in general, but just loneliness. And I, there's a direct line there, right? And mm -hmm. so even if it's not about I'm having to pour my heart out because I have the, you know, the, something really that I'm struggling with going on right now, literally carving out time to be with other people. If this is this is dad ass, so like being with other dads or other adults, you know, instead of like just having it centered around kid things so that you can talk about those things and not feel that isolation can also help with prevent some of those things. Yeah. Or then when, when, you know, it hits the fan, then you've got like, you actually have some people to reach out to because it's not that everybody necessarily needs a psychologist or a counselor or anything like All that. Right. But if you don't have, if, if you don't find a way to, to find your people and it doesn't have to be a huge group of people, right. But like, but you, but one or two people that are in your life that you can have real talk with. I um, can't remember the exact statistic or study or whatever, but I want to say that I had, had, I think, I think it was with you when we were at, at Home DadCon. There was yeah, there was somebody who was talking about they had read a, a study that um, research shows I think you only actually need at very very minimum one, but like maybe two people, but like one person. That's mm -hmm. that's. At bare minimum. Yeah. And that's like replicated. That is a consistent finding. One to two people, you know, parents when they're worried about their kids think, oh, like they don't have tons of friends. If they have a best friend, that's a good thing. And it's, and it's the same thing for just people in general, right? Dude, you don't need this huge network, yeah. but just some trust. Well, and I think life. that's an important thing to point out, too, because I think with the advent of social media and all these sorts of things, um, you know, and this ties a little bit. You know, we can pretend like it just ties into kids, but like there are plenty of adults who are into social media where they look and and now like friendship, I'm putting air quotes out here, is literally like quantifiable, mm -hmm. right? Like, oh, mm -hmm. 
Matt is popular. He has two thousand followers, two thousand friends. Like it's almost three. <laughs> <laughs> now Not I, that I'm better than you, yeah, but yeah. you know. <laughs> now I know. You're Actually, lying. I don't know if that's yeah. true. But. but but no, like for real. And, and I often talk to kids about this idea of like that's like really like a false sort of like thing. But that's I think that's another way that you can conv- like. It's one more way that like when you're in that negative space that you can be like, well, I don't have anybody like those sorts of things or I don't have enough. But really, you just need one. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's a really, really and and the amount of people that I think want to want to be someone's one. (laughs) It's a lot like Mm -hmm. people don't, you know, often don't realize that it's draining. Sometimes it can be draining, though, too, when you're trying to get input from so many different people, but not zeroing in that one person. Oh, that's I, I get give, what you mean, the draining people. Yeah, like, you know, you can exhaust yourself trying trying to, like... I'm going to ask five people right now to try and help me, and it's like... But just find that one person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There, there were um, two things that I wanted to bring up, and I'm not going to bring up both of them right now, but one... Um, I'm listening to a podcast. I'm new to listening to another podcast called The School of Greatness. And um, he brings on different experts to talk on different topics from leadership development, mental health, physical fitness, everything across the gamut, right, to be a high-functioning leader. And there was someone um, that was on um, thinking like a monk. He was a, a monk for four years. And he, he had said something that blew my mind, but I want to I want to share it and then tell you where I was at when I heard it to, to open this point up to, to you three. And he said, in order to hit goals, don't do checklists, don't set these big hairy goals. It's consistency over intensity that at the end of each day, you can say that you consistently did your best to get to blank, whatever that goal is, consistency over intensity to not just wear yourself out or feel like day to day you have not checked things off and now you have those unchecked boxes coming to the next day to make you more anxious. And when I heard that, I am um, going back to what I had said recently told told Heather, I said, I, I think I'm at the most, the foggiest point that I've been, the time where I feel like I, I might need to, to, to get some help. I might need to do something. But first, I need to figure out why I just feel rushed from thing to thing. I said, I, I've, I've narrowed it down to maybe drinking too much caffeine. I think it could be because I keep waking up at 3.37 a.m., four to five times a, uh, uh, a week, and I'm going down this list of I'm all I'm sorry this. about that. I will cut, like, I'll stop setting the alarm. No, it, a- it was creepy. <laughs> it, it had some work things, but then it didn't go, it, it did not stop. But I started to look at myself like, what, what am I doing? And then I realized when I heard this quote, all I'm doing is trying to be as intense as possible for the podcast, for teaching spin, for running a business, for doing this, for being a hands-on dad. But I wasn't just consistently being present. And so I wanted to share that because that's just one one person's you know story of going on. But I think that's where a lot of men go because we're told we have to go hard. We have to be the quarterback. We have to be the the captain. We have to be this. We have to be that. And so I, I want to share that because while I'm here with three of the most learned people I know, you probably see a lot of what I just shared. You probably just see either in kids or in adults that, that you see tons of mats where it's just I'm trying to do all this but not taking that moment to realize, you know what, I just need to be consistently showing up. And not contis- uh, con- consistently being intense. Yeah, you know it brings to mind one of my favorite authors, Sean Acor. <sighs> I was just going to say the same thing. Sorry, I I, you stole my joke. Uh, I'm yep. going to steal your guy. There, <laughs> so it comes there. back. <laughs> Sean Acor writes about you know setting goals for yourself that are that you never achieve. He calls it the, the happiness horizon that you set this goal of like, when I achieve this, then I'll be satisfied. But then all of a sudden you work yourself 
you know, half to death to get there. And then you get there and you realize that there's something else that you have to work towards now. Mm -hmm. And either it's you doing it to yourself or it's your workplace doing it to you or it's society doing it. Or I see this in kids all the time, unfortunately. And I really try to impart something different on them because we see this, like I got an A, but it wasn't an A plus Mm -hmm. I got into this program, but I didn't get into the better program. I made the basketball team, but it wasn't the starter. And they're sort of continuously doing that. And we do that to ourselves. And there are lots of ways. I mean, men are not, we don't have the corner on the market of that. But, you know, when we think about all the different ways that we might do that to ourselves, um, it makes us feel like we have to be intense all the time because there's this, like, I'm working towards happiness instead of being happy with the process of improving and achieving something and, you know, setting a realistic goal and and celebrating when you achieve it. So, I mean, there's probably a million ways to bring up Shane Corsa. So you may have something else to add. No, that's if, literally what I was going to say. If, if like <laughs> now, but, but let's let's talk. Sorry, we get along. Let's yeah. talk about this though. If if someone were to come to you, whether it's a kid who's upset about an A and not an A plus, or you're you're talking to someone that's you know just on an adult level topic, wh- what would be that that shift in mindset, or or how would you respond to them? Well, not you, just for me, but for anyone that's listening, going. But wait, what what does that mean? How does how do I shift my 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 thinking? Yeah, well, the way to the way to achieve a feeling of satisfaction and pride and and success is actually to flip the equation. That when we focus on taking care of ourselves, being mentally well, being physically well we will be successful in what we do. There's just, there's no way around it. You can be the most successful janitor in the world. You can be the most successful, you know, tree expert in the world, the most successful business person in the world. Um, But you have to flip that script and think to yourself, I'm going to be, I'm going to make myself happy. And then the success is what comes from that. It's not the other way around. So when people tell me like, when do you think you'll be satisfied? And they say, oh, well, when I achieve this, I say, well, what'll be the next thing after that? Oh, well, then I'll have to do this. Well, what about mm-hmm. the next thing? And they have this sort of never-ending string. You it, know? And that, going off the the consistency over intensity from the, the um, monk that was on, um, he, he said something similar to that in the sense that if you want to become, you know, you want to run a marathon and you're not hitting those miles, it's more or less... Did you run today and did you run a little bit better than your last run? Because that's success instead of saying, oh, you didn't run blank minute mile. See, and I would even challenge that just ever so slightly yeah. and just saying, are you proud of the effort that you put into running today? Because yeah. there will be a day that you yeah. just can't run farther or you just right. can't, like, but you can say, you know, like, I mean, there was a point in my life before I got a legitimate doctor to tell me that I should not run anymore. Thank you. Because um, <laughs> of my bum knee. Because you're too fast. Yeah, yeah, that was not actually what it was. Um, I think fat. You put an S where there should, should, shouldn't be one. Anyway, um, no, like where I, I, I was running, like Kimberly and I, when we were dating, I, I think we were up to like 11 or 12 miles. Right. And we were like out for a run and I was like loving it. And she literally looked at me. We were miles from home and she literally just stops running. And she just looks at me and she goes, I hate this. Yeah. (laughs) Right. And like it wasn't what served her. It wasn't what like. And so like this idea of like I I just I'm, I'm not happy like. It's it's the it's the happiness hamster wheel is what I kind of refer to it as right mm-hmm. like it, you just never get off, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I would challenge that that statement just a little bit. Not did I run better, but like, am I proud of the effort that I did today? Yeah. One of the things that like I talk to parents a lot about is this idea of process praise versus content praise, because it's process praise is where it starts, right? Oh, good job, you got an A, versus like I could tell that you worked really hard on that project or whatever, or asking like, are you proud of that? Like, or it starts even simpler than that. Um, you know, Tuck brings you a drawing and he's like, do you like my drawing? Right. 
They're the worst. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I can just, I can definitively I tell you that's not the good. I just kind of smile. Is that what you do? Yeah. Just say, like, "Oh, this is great." Yeah. I mean, to Sean's point, you say, "I love." Did you have fun drawing that? Yeah. Are and you they, proud of it? And then they beam at you and say, "Yeah." And they, I'm so glad that you had fun drawing right. that. That is so cool that you worked on that and did it all by yourself. Right. You don't have to say whether it's a Picasso or not. It's, <laughs> yeah. You know, you're praising oh. them for finding time to do something independently yeah. Yeah. or working really hard and diligently or using something. Wow, I've never seen you use that before. That's so neat. Yeah. Usually it's, it's, um, it's there's a lot of color in that. Yeah. Notice <laughs> and describe. Notice <laughs> and describe. <laughs> yep. <laughs> there, are, there are a lot of colored circles in there. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. If you pick up nothing, that was gold right there. Notice and describe. <laughs> that's right. And that's what I was going to say when you were talking about it. Like, I feel like so much, and, and I guess this is kind of my soapbox, but like, I think a lot of it comes down to just that living in the moment piece, right? So if you're, if you're genuinely thinking about the thing you're doing, you're not focused on the 20 other things that could be out there and what the next step is, the next step is. And so like with that run, maybe it's being, having a little bit more every day. Maybe it's being proud of what you did. Or maybe it's just being on a run and being out there and just noticing that and feeling grateful to have the ability to be out there. Yeah. Right. And so I think with um, a, a book that I particularly like recently is called Essentialism. It's a new one for me. I think it's an older book, but it basically talks about you can do lots of things. Okay. Or you can pick a few things in your life and really focus on them. Well. And I think what you're talking about with that intensity piece is trying to give 100% to 10 different things. But if you're working on all these projects, you're either not going to spend as much time with your wife or with your kids or with what, like you can't give everything to everything. So really starting with the things that are important to you and working backwards and just acknowledging that there's trade-offs, right? Like some something has to give for me to be able to be there for these for these different things yeah so i'm gonna that's piggyback, so well said piggyback off what you said so i i know um i don't know why i'm on like a running story kick today but i am here i am um i know some very talented um athletes who have done like ultra marathons and like really like 100 mile races like really um and um one of the, one of the people I'm, I'm thinking of um his name is darius he's actually the director of the Columbus Marathon. And um, he has run uh, and his wife have, have run in like Badlands and done like a hundred mile race and oh. like, yeah, like some yeah. really extreme yeah. stuff. And I remember one time, and I'm sure, I'm sure he's posted it, you know, said this in more, more than one occasion, but I don't know why, but the, there was this one time he had posted about, I don't even remember who it was, but they, they didn't finish. And, you know, when you don't finish a race, it comes across as DNF did not finish and he said um it actually stands for did nothing foolish and mm. and i think that mm. i remember that feeling like that was such a profound thing because going back to what you're saying is like the power of saying no like i'm not I, i'm going to choose i'm going like I'm not going to do a hundred things. Yeah. And like, it's not that you didn't finish something. It's that you didn't do something foolish that you said, like, I understand that like, these are the core things that are important to me mm -hmm. and I'm going to pour myself into them, you know, kind of bringing it back to our conversation. It's also really, really important that you, that men, parents, all make sure that like they as human beings remain as a part of that core, right? Like and saying, I have to take time for me. Yeah. Um, you know, I was having a conversation with some parents about um about parenting and how it was it's this really neat experience. I think I was telling maybe you this Parker, maybe I didn't. I don't remember who I was talking to, but how one of the cool things I think when you become a parent that you hear often is like this idea like you were so excited to like teach talk about um you know hiking and being outside, right? And like mm -hmm. I don't know, what was something you were excited about when you first became a parent? Oh, I, I wanted to teach both my kids soccer from an early age. Okay. Rob Running. So, I mean, I'm not trying to like hammer this theme home today, but like I hated running as a kid and I love it as an adult. And yeah. so like just getting him moving. Yeah. So, yeah. so I was talking to these parents about how this idea of everyone is so excited to teach children about this part of, of themselves 
But the important thing that you have to remember is that it's a part of you. And if you lose a if if you lose sight of you as a human being, you cannot impart the things that you are excited to do. Mm. Right? You can't teach your child about whatever the passion is if you don't feed the, that passion within you, right? Mm-hmm. If you don't take time to go out and run, you're not going to get to teach your kid about that. If you don't take time to either play soccer, watch soccer, whatever, play soccer on FIFA. Play, how about play watch and coach, which is what I do to keep the passion going. Yeah, right? Yeah. Like if you don't take them on hikes because like you have become – for a multitude of reasons, you've lost that set, lost that side of you. The thing that you were so excited when they were born to do, you can't do. Yeah. And so like, you have to remain a human being at your core. Like, and, and, and that, that is actually, uh, we did not plan this, but goes into the second point that I wanted to bring up, I think. Okay. And keeping it on the sports reference, um, a separate, uh, a different podcast I was listening to was talking about key characteristics of leaders. And one of the findings was that leaders have to recognize and do recognize that there are off seasons. Mm, I like that. That we can't mm-hmm. keep the intensity going all the time and not take that off season just like you can't play professional football year round and not literally die. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just like if we're going to be fully present or taking that time to be a leader at work, at home, wherever, we're going to need to take that off season or at least acknowledge that we need to take a step back to fully regain that focus to be then going, you know, at that pace that we want. And so I think that's one thing that I don't do. And I think a lot of people don't do, men, women, who, whomever, not just men. But I think in particular to our topic of men, I would say I don't know many men who take the foot off the brake mm-hmm. and say, you know what? You the gas? This is, yeah, what did I say? Did I say the brake? Yeah, foot off the gas. Oh, yeah. See, that's how tired I am. <laughs> Again, coming back to the first point. Yeah, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, yeah, no yeah. but thank you. Take off the gas. But you know, as as I'm reflecting on on hearing that in the podcast, but then looking at my own kind of recharting, finding my true north, trying to figure out what I want to do in the new year, because I don't do resolutions. I want to look at healthy lifestyle choices. Mm-hmm. And so for me to try and build those lifestyle choices now into the next year forms mm-hmm. better habits than just living and dying by a checklist from January 1st to the like 7th. Yeah. <laughs> and then if everyone make, gives yeah. up. You make it to the 7th? Good for you. Yeah. You're above average. I'm like above four average. of the 12 things that I do. Yeah. But I never thought about that though, just in, in context of our conversation here, as a man, as someone who's running his own business, as, as a dad, as a husband, as just trying to be a friend, I don't ever step back. And if there's anything that I've learned just in the two things that I've heard in that podcast and then in some deep reflection, I'm taking me time now yeah. to, you know, figure out my bearings, find that true north so I can have this relentless pursuit of me. Yeah. Oh, you I will like find, that. You will find that when you do that, the time that you are working and focused on those other roles will be more productive, enjoyable, and you will be more consistent. That's what you will find. And it's, I'll continue your metaphor because I love metaphors in two ways. Number one, not only do we need an off season, but sometimes we need a bye week. Like it doesn't always have to be a huge break. Sometimes it can just be like, I'm just going to take an afternoon off. I'm going to play hooky. It doesn't have to be like a long weekend. It can just be, hey, I'm going to cut out of work at two o'clock and I'm just going to go take a walk in a park or pick my kid up early from school or daycare and just go do something enjoyable because that will help me recharge my batteries because it's one of the last sunny days that we'll see for four months in Ohio. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, I'm doing that later this week. Before we fell back in time um, this past weekend, I knew that my colleague in, in the office loves to go and get a ride and she has specific rules of how much sunlight and then it can't be under a, a 60, bike ride, right? A bike ride, yeah. And um, can't be under sixty degrees. And so I literally looked at her on Thursday and I just said, "When you're done, go home." She lives in Delaware. It's an hour drive. I was like, 
This is the last day you will have of sunlight in 70s. Go home and enjoy that. Yeah. So you gave someone else a, a little bit of a bye week and you got to take it for yourself. And I'll also say my other metaphor I use a lot with parents about kids is about F1 racing because, you know, if you come off the line and you just mash the pedal and try and go as fast as you can, you will get ahead of everybody else, but then you will end up in the wall and mm. you will end up wrecked and out of the race either temporarily or permanently. And so nobody can work like that. Nobody can operate. You have to slow down. Sometimes you have to go with the curves and life's going to throw them at you. So I really like that metaphor. And that seems to fit sink in for even parents who have no idea what F1 is, but just driving cars in general around curvy roads. Um, and they're all the same or similar mindset that nobody just can mash the pedal down and just go yeah. full bore straight ahead. Not kids, not Moms, dads, sisters, wives, husbands, anybody. Nobody can do that. So I'm going to I'm gonna take your sports metaphor, go to my sports metaphor, and then I'm going to make sure that I'm just oh, giving I you a fair one. warning. I'm, you got I'm one? I'm locked and loaded. Oh, oh yeah. good. This is going all the way around. I like this. You know what else every single professional sports team has? Mm. An entire support team. Totally. Mm. That's bigger than the team, by the way. Yeah. An entire support team. Like literally, I, I mean, I hundred percent honesty. I don't, I don't really watch sports balls, you know. I, <laughs> I think the Buckeyes maybe hit a home run on the weekend. I'm not entirely certain, but, um, but like, I mean, I, in all seriousness, though, even if you, I'm not even into it, and I know that like there will be athletes that will like, you know, I'm thinking like professional athletes. A lot of times is what it's coming to mind, but not necessarily like, oh, so and so is skipping a game because they have a sprained toe. And you're like, what? But like, that might sound silly, but like, they know in the long run, like, I need you to be healthy and whole mm -hmm. to, to, to move on to, you know, whatever that sort of thing is. And so like, kind of going back to this idea of everybody has a, like, there is a, there are a million instances of people getting support all around you. You just have to open your eyes and, and, and your mind to to that idea right so now i want to know your sports well when you were bringing up the the whole off-season thing i actually i heard it just a little bit differently before you said it i was thinking an off-season meaning like your season isn't going so good oh right like everybody yeah. has an off-season mm. but like it's a it's a season the brown well let's <laughs> not use them as an example they've got kind of a prolonged there's like, a, uh, like an off, off decade yeah. or <laughs> but but a lot of times when you're in an off season or at a time where things are going down, like it feels like this is forever and this is the way that it's always going to be. It doesn't mm -hmm. feel like a season. It feels like it's permanent. Right. And so like going through and that can be with, you know, times with your partner or even times with your kids. Mm -hmm. Right. Or just times in, in life in general. But if you go into it thinking that it's a permanent thing, then that's going to feel very differently than if it's sort of acknowledging that this is in this, this this is temporary, right? It's a season, but that will change just like just yeah. like the rest of them. That that kind of ebb and flow type mm -hmm. in in terms of of life. Now, I I like though I was I was about to ask you a question, but I got to go back because off season and you're having an off season is an interesting way to hear. And I would have thought about that because how many times do we just feel off? Yeah. Right. I, I wouldn't have thought about it that way. So I'm so glad that you heard that differently because I think that, I mean, how many times do we just see things differently than how they truly are right now in front of us? Right. I, I love that. I'm glad. Thank you for, for sharing that and for hearing that differently. Yeah. That's that's awesome. I am curious because I, I, you know, I, I, I joked a little bit, but you did come with statistics. I thank you. Know. That's what I was pointing at. You, <laughs> I want to know what statistics. Yeah, did you, you, bring? you came with notes. So, like, well, I'm kind of dying to know not to, like, make this like. Yeah, let's let's be serious. <laughs> These are not like hard, hard statistics here. I was just saying data points. A few. Um more of just like some ways in which men's mental health is mentioned and, and prioritized both a little bit less than some populations, but it also is talked about in some really interesting areas. So first of all, I heard a, a 
quote somewhere that, um, you know, men's mental health might not be as much of a focus just because, you know, our role historically has not been to be the vulnerable ones in society, you know? And so one of the things that um, someone in actually like a women's health blog wrote is they were talking about men's mental health and saying every man is important to somebody. And so they're not just talking about as a husband, but that, you know, men serve really important roles in people's lives just like anybody else does. So to ignore a big portion of the population just because they're expected to be strong and um, stable and the sort of rock yeah. of the family historically is really missing the point that, um, you know, men are, every man serves some important role to at least a few other people um, in different ways. But, you know, there's an Office of Women's Health at the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and they focus on men's mental health, even though it's the Office of Women's Health. Interesting. Because of the role men play in women's lives. And specifically, they're talking often about child rearing, that, you know, women who have a stable partner, and of course, we're talking about traditional, you know, marital relationships here with man and woman. But, you know, if we're talking um, in generality, you know, men who are parents need to be stable supporters for their partner, whoever that may be. Um, and so it impacts women, it impacts other men, it impacts children, it impacts society. Um, also did want to mention that, you know, even though men get less treatment and, you know, might be less frequently diagnosed with mental health concerns, they're much more likely to die by suicide than women. Yes. And mm. typically that's because of the method yep. that's used. Um, and so it might be less frequent in number of attempts or, or number of events, but more frequent in successful deaths. completion. Exactly. So, um, and then just a really interesting, um, couple other statistics to think about that mental health problems increase risk for things like homelessness, substance abuse, incarceration, um, and, um, committing of crimes. So, it's not just mental health for the sake of mental health and well-being. You know, we love to talk about that side of things, but when people aren't getting support, when they aren't focusing on mental health, there's risk for a lot of other really negative outcomes that impact society in general. So it's not just wishing that your neighbor was a little happier. It's, you know, this is our part of our workforce, part of our society. Um, and so we need to focus on them. And then I just found a really cool program called um, Brother, You're on My Mind, Oh, which is all about it's actually specific to black men, um, but it's through the, the uh, one of the government departments. But um, it was really cool because it had a toolkit about sort of how to talk about it, how to get resources, how to find support people. Um, I'm sure that even though it's, you know, catered towards the, the black community and it's sponsored by. Um, I'm going to forget which one, but it's sponsored by one of the historically black fraternities um, oh, okay. in colleges. Um, but it was just a really neat idea of just saying like, listen, I'm thinking about you, Yeah, you know? So I really like the name and like the, the vibe of it. So people can look up brother, you're on my mind if they just want to see some information about men's mental health and some resources. Uh, I'm glad you shared all of that because I, I think it's important for us to realize too, as men that, even if we're having that off season or if we're having different burdens that we're carrying, that not only affects us, but affects our partners or has that effect on those around us, even in work, which could affect then the outcome on projects because we're holding back. Um, so th those were some excellent um, statistics and notes that you came Um you said a lot of things, and I, I don't see all of that written down. So that was that was fantastical. Um, now I want to ask on on kind of the back end of that. You gave us a resource of brother, you're on my mind. We've talked about some other things earlier in this episode. I want to ask you three experts. You have a bad day. Or you're having that off season. I'm going back to your off season, not the 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 other off season. You have to go home. You don't you don't want to go home. Partner, kids, more work, house, everything that we're going through. 
you've given me, and I'm looking at Sean, since we don't do video, no one knows I'm pointing at Sean. You've given me a lot of techniques, so I'm going to have you answer last. Oh, okay. What is one technique that you do to get your bearings set before you go into the house or before you leave the office to just be as present as possible. I like to always ask this in a work setting and on the podcast so others listening and or myself when this is at work can take away tools from someone else or at least learn of something else to attempt. So I'll, I'll ask both of you and, and let whomever wants to start. And then I'll let you go last because I know you okay. have other ideas. Well, there's so I'm probably going to butcher this quote, but it's uh, I believe it's from Thich Nhat Hanh, but it's basically there's two ways to wash the dishes, washes, washing the dishes to have clean dishes and washing the dishes to wash the dishes. It's what it means is everything has value. Every moment that we have has value. It's not good or it's not bad. It's just is. And so most of the time, if I'm coming home and it's not something that I'm too excited for, it's something there. It's because I'm wanting the moment to be something it's not instead of just taking that moment, right? So me sitting there thinking about how, oh, how it could be better or what, you know, what was happening. We, we were having some work done in our house and everything was like covered. We couldn't get anywhere on one of the floors, right? And so it was really annoying coming in. And if I'm coming in just thinking about what my house was like last week or what I want it to be or whatever it is, I'm going to be miserable as opposed to living in the moment go into where I am. And, you know, my son is pretending he's an astronaut. And that's exciting. If I'm sitting here focused on what's not happening, I'm going to be less happy. So like, the washing the dishes is the mantra for me. So I think, okay, washing dishes, and I take a breath. And I just genuinely, I put the phone down and just try to be in the moment with now, where I am. Do you do the dishes at home? I, so we had a division of responsibility in my house, so I am not a good cook. So my wife does a hundred percent of the cooking. I do a hundred percent of the dishes and the groceries. Oh, so, yeah. yeah. So, so what you're saying is it's not that you'll be happy when the task is over. Right. It's just the task for the notice and describe, right? Just yeah. doing the dishes is an inherently worthy task. But if I'm sitting there thinking the whole time, oh my God, this is taking forever. When is this going to yeah. be over? Yeah. You're going to be miserable. But Whereas, that's that's the example of what I referred to earlier as the, the happiness hamster wheel. Yep. You got right. it. All right. So I'm curious. Yeah. Um, I would say two things for me. Uh, first of all, I use music a lot. Mm -hmm. Music affects my mood greatly, both Positively, well, I would say all positively, because even when I'm in a down mood and I find a song to match that, it kind of helps me to just come to terms with how I'm feeling. Yeah, because so, it's okay to just be down. Just it feel it. Yeah. It is. So, you know, the first thing I do is I I take my commutes very seriously, whether I'm commuting from upstairs in my house to downstairs, from my office, which is a 10-minute bike ride to my house, or whether I'm like downtown in 25-minute drive. I take my commute seriously and I consider, you know, what am I going to listen to? What am I going to hear um, that's either going to try and change my mood or match my mood? And so I spend a lot of time sort of thinking about, you know, how that music is going to help me just sort of get into the frame of mind that I need to be in. And then second of all, I communicate my needs, whether that's to my kids, my friends, um, even sometimes to you know, neighbors or people around where it has happened in the not too distant past where I will say, I had a really tough day. Can my kids just come play in your backyard for a little while? Because I just need 10 minutes to, you know, get dinner started without having them around. Or I'll ask the kids and say, can you guys just go play quietly for a little bit? Because I need to just, you know, relax for a couple minutes. I had a tough day at work today. And so when you sort of admit that you need a little bit of time, you're kind of coming to terms with the fact that you don't have to have a perfect day and you don't have to come home happy every day. Um, but you're also letting people know that it's not personal and, and that it's going to be a limited thing. So those are probably my two. Yeah. That so I do. I'm going to, I'm going to challenge you just a tiny, Please tiny do, bit. Sean. Please do. I'm going to challenge you that next time when you're expressing that need to insert the word help. Men often don't say help. So you can ask for it, but say, can you, like, I was just talking to, to a parent about this. Like, instead of saying, can you do the, or do the dishes, can you help me and do the dishes? 
when you talk to a, a, a friend or a neighbor and they're going to take your kids and doing it in front of your kids so that that kids hear a man asking for help, hearing the word help. Can you help me? Right. Is a hugely impactful thing. Yeah. There's my challenge for you. I I love that challenge and I will absolutely take on your challenge and I will text you about it when I do it. All right. You know, I will say, you know, my kids have heard a lot more about mental health from me in the past year and a half, probably than most kids do. And I've, I've spent time talking about, you know, being in therapy myself for the first time in my life and really struggling through a lot of Can we have a sidebar like conversation about that? Just like we're getting close to time. I know, like I am I I am terrible at being like the patient in therapy, right? Yeah. But anybody else? I don't. You know, I, you don't have to disclose this. You can if you want. But me personally, like I've sat in therapy before and then been like, that is a really like, like I look at it from like like an analytical point of view. I'm like, oh, I, I'm gonna file that phrase away. Like I'm gonna tell someone else that someday. Absolutely. And then, <laughs> Absolutely. And like, Wait a minute, man. This is about you. Like, <laughs> see, you gotta be in the moment, yeah, all right? Yeah, Not yeah. thinking about how you're gonna apply that at work, right? Yeah. yeah. But, but really, <laughs> like, I'm like, that is a really good. I like that phrase. Mm-hmm. I'm like, can I write that down? Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know if you ever have that moment. No, I, I have that all the time where I'm like, no, like this is about you. Like this isn't about someone else. Yeah. Absolutely. I am not in the moment because you were talking about music for emotions and my mind went straight back to high school and college. Like every time I got stood up for a date and listened to dashboard confessional. So, <laughs> I mean, at any point right? after that yeah. in my life, if I was down and out, I had like my acoustic, like emo playlist Oh yeah, anchored by dashboard. And so anyway, I'm listening, but then I'm for like, sure. I can relate. I'm though. literally going through like, 15 dashboard confessional songs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's only funny because it's true. The teenage girl from 2004, you know, That's I'm right. like just bringing it out. But so I actually, it's amazing. I do the opposite of you. Um, hmm. I like music. I often sit in silence. When I drive, that's that's where mm-hmm. I was gonna go. Yeah, I dr- I I will drive, and, and you know, just by nature, I work in a school. Um, in a wonderful like school, like truly wonderful school. Um, but just like they're inherently like loud places. Just there's always someone wanting something or, you know, like phone ringing or like whatever. Um, and that actually was a huge, that's a, like, that's a huge thing for me because in, at certain points in my life, really d- dark, difficult points in my life, sitting in silence with myself was the scariest thing that I could possibly mm-hmm. do. And now I try and view it as a gift to myself, mm. right? To like allow whatever's going to come out to come out in that thought, right? So that's one. <laughs> and this is silly, but 100% true. If I've had a real rough day, I'll go to Goodwill and then I will throw music on. I'll put on some AirPods and I'll just like rummage through goodwill i have no idea why i think it's because it's low stakes like if i like find like a glass or something that i'm like cool i'm gonna buy it's only gonna cost me like a buck and and like it's just like total you know it's just like me time i don't know why like that's like low cost retail therapy yeah yeah yeah, but like i think it's just like looking it's the hunt I think it's just the process. I'm really like sentimental and things like that. And like I've collected like old cameras since I was a kid and stuff like that. So I think it, it allows me to like, there's like a perspective piece that goes with this, like rummaging through like the idea of like rummaging through what other people thought was junk. And like, I guess maybe kind of like everything has value, right? I'd never really connected the dots until like this kind of moment. But there was just like this thing of like everything had a story that was there. Or like, and so like just the idea of being in goodwill and being like, I wonder where that came from. Or like, I don't know. So um, I will sit in silence until I get to goodwill. I'll throw my AirPods in and I'll rummage through goodwill. Not a long time, like maybe 15, 20 minutes. Then I go home. Do you throw on like System mm-hmm. of a Down or something? Yeah. Just something super intense while you're rummaging no, there? No, it's usually yes, like a I, little <laughs> sugar. Yeah. No, it, it, I don't. I, I, that's not generally my like listen. Was that, to, sy- like, was that System of the Down sugar? 
sugar. Yes. Yep. 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 No, yeah. no, it's usually like, <laughs> I don't know, it varies a lot. Sometimes it's like instrumental jazz. I don't know. It's just like, it just depends. All right. Look for it on, on Spotify, your uh, your Goodwill playlist. You got to load it up there. Yes. You okay. know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love but yeah, it. that's my thing. I'll go to Goodwill. It's a lot of Alanis Morissette. <laughs> Sometimes, if you got to get the feels, you know, like I'm like okay it. with it. Got to be some Macklemore in there. The thrift <laughs> store. You have to. Oh yeah. Right. I, uh, there are times. Uh, there have literally been times that I have like caught myself like you know you get like a good one like a, you know I'm gonna be honest my jam Whitney Houston dude Whitney Houston dude that's before my girl we right went there. to do the closing keynote at Home Dad Con hundred percent true this odd cat right here is in his dad ass podcast black robe like we have robes right with our logo and a pair of shorts <laughs> pair of shorts underneath a t shirt these big noise canceling these suckers so mm-hmm. loud that I could hear Whitney and her beautiful pipes <laughs> and he's in the <laughs> I am literally in front of like eighty five men. He's just doing Eyes it. closed. I just rocked out. I danced in front of all Washing of them. Washing dishes, baby. Yeah. That's what See. it is. Yeah. So the the one thing that I'm trying to practice currently, um, just to bring this, because I like this this idea sharing, because if, if not to help me or to help any of us here, someone listening just took away three others. In a lot of the reading, reflections, and podcast episodes I've been listening to, not our podcast. Everyone has one theme that I've been hearing recently, and it's gratitude. And so uh, I'm a man of faith, so I, I pray throughout the day. But I'm trying to focus at the beginning of the day and the end of the day what I'm thankful for. There have been days where it's super short. There's days where I'm thankful for heat because it's freaking cold out, and I'm in my car at 4.45 a.m. But just trying to find that gratitude no matter how exhausted i am how anxious i am just to in in for someone listening whether it's in a, a faithful way or not a faithful way just being thankful for the fact that we could have a conversation like we had today or a converse or being thankful for something that we didn't have before and so gratitude has been something that's kind of been helping me through this this process yeah. so uh, with with that being said, I want to thank both of you for for coming on and for sharing the gift of your time with us and for your insight. I want to thank you for just being you. Oh, thanks. And for are. the gift of everything that you shared. I want to thank actually having a guest bring a guest onto yeah. the podcast. That's a this first. This is also the first time we've had this many people in here. This is the most. Yeah, this is the first four-person recording we've had in here. Yep. Yep. I'm glad it could be with with it's fantastic two doctors. Yeah, yeah, and we got to choose our own wood. Yep, in sure our did. cocktails. Yep, our, that's right. Our own smoking chips. So thank you to you guys, and thank you to you at home listening to us. Um, please drop us a line um, at the Dadass Podcast at gmail.com. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and MySpace. And until next time, stay strong, Dadass.